Now, ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Douglas. Today, you have showered me with tributes, adulation, which has almost become overpowering. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. The famous Hollywood movie star and producer Kirk Douglas is a native of my hometown, Amsterdam, New York. Douglas died February 5th, 2020, at the age of 103. Born Isher Danielovich in Amsterdam's immigrant-dominated East End in 1916, he grew up as Isidore or Izzy Dembski. Their name was changed. His parents, Harry and Bryna Dembski, were Eastern European Jews. In a telephone interview on WGY Radio in May of 1985, I asked Kirk Douglas about his home on Eagle Street in Amsterdam. I know Eagle Street very well. 46 Eagle Street is the address. As a matter of fact, I used that address when I did the picture Champion. I, a lot of people in Amsterdam caught that. I used it that I came from 46 Eagle Street. Yeah. That's where I come from. In fact, they used that movie to open the old Tryon Theater, didn't they? I think you're right. I think you're right. I was just down there the other day because, as you may remember, the Cudmores lived on Eagle Street, too, a couple of houses up. That's absolutely right. My dad and his uh, sisters and brothers and mom and pop. Um, your house was the last one on the left. That's right. It was uh, My house was the last one on the left next to the factory. It was next to the Mohawk Carpet Mills, the Shuttleworth mill was across the street and the railroad tracks were right next to it. I saw you and your wife, I think, on Our Magazine and uh, she gave off with what I kind of thought was sort of a wifely comment. She said that you hate to run into anybody that you find out is was poorer than you when you started out. <laughs> well, there might be some, tr some truth in that. I've always, my wife sometimes is amused by my recounting the tales of poverty in Amsterdam, struggling to get through college. Yes. You were poor. I would say extremely poor. How did you get from Amsterdam to Hollywood? What, have you got five hours? <laughs> Just a few minutes. <laughs> well, no, it's the typical story of America. I mean, uh, my parents were immigrants. They came from Russia. And uh, America is a country where you, get a, you have a chance. You... You have a chance to hitchhike to uh, St. Lawrence University. You have a chance to work your way through college, dramatic school, and go into the field of work that you want. That's, the, to me, the tribute to America. That's why I've made so many of these trips around the world for the State Department and, uh, and you know, for the USIA. Mm -hmm. Since telling my story, which, which, in a sense, is telling the story of America. I can't tell you how much, but I will tell you how much your example has meant to people like me, uh, specifically I think in Amsterdam. Those of us who have decided to go into some kind of public profession, uh, be it uh, drama, and we've had others, or media, uh, and we've had a number of those, or sure. even things like school teaching, because your legend looms large in, uh, in Amsterdam. It's always an example that it can be done, and, and I think it really has had an effect on the way we in Amsterdam, uh, even though I don't actually live there anymore, I still talk about we in Amsterdam, view the, uh, the dramatic arts or, or public life. 
Well, that's why, you know, uh, you know, your roots, the older you get, the more important uh, your roots become. And that's why, uh, you know, I was delighted when I heard that there was the centennial of Amsterdam and they're going to make a Kirk Douglas Day on June the 1st. And I said I'd be delighted to arrange my schedule to get down there to that little town again and have a parade and they're going to inaugurate a park in my name and as a matter of fact even have a plaque on the where Eagle Street meets East Main Street. Oh, that's so I'm great. looking forward to that. It's really a rather a nostalgic journey and uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that suddenly the TV, you know, NBC is sending crews down there and all that. I, I, I mean, I thought of it as kind of a little intimate thing but it's a uh, it's it's important because it represents the kind of things that happen in our country, mm-hmm. and uh, and, it, and to me it's important because I don't think anyone should ever forget where they come from and who they are because where they come from is a, is a big part of making them who they are. Mm-hmm. I've seen the park, very nice, and I'm really pleased to hear. I hadn't heard that definitely that you were going to come back for the yes, for the I'll day. Yes, I'll be there Saturday, June the first. In Amsterdam, New York, hoping to visit all my friends, Wolfie Churchett, Peter Riccio, Sonia Siegel, three very dear friends of mine that I've always kept in touch with through the years, and of course, all the other people. I hope my sisters from, I have one sister who lives in Schenectady and several who live in Albany. Mm-hmm. I hope they'll be there with nieces and nephews and, and uh, the whole family. Well, I have to thank uh, the Seagulls in particular for helping arrange this. Uh, my dad happened to run into Mr. Siegel uh, when my uh, father was uh, convalescing at uh, St. Mary's Hospital, where Mr. Siegel works. And on Saturday, June 1st, 1985, on board a private jet, Kirk Douglas landed at Schenectady County Airport in Glenville for a day of tribute to him that also honored the 100th anniversary of Amsterdam becoming a city in 1885. I talked with the actor as he stepped off the plane. Kirk Douglas, welcome home. Bob Whitmore, WGY, how are you? Good, good, WGY. Well, I remember <laughs> hearing WGY from Schenectady. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take away from you to hear your hear your friends, and again, welcome. Good, good. Hello, Hello Pete. How are you? Where's Sonia there? Sonia's always... Sonia, Sonia's always... We're right on time. How about that? Through his years in Hollywood... Douglas regularly kept in touch with three friends who continued to live in Amsterdam. Peter Riccio, incidentally the father of Amsterdam composer and musician Maria Riccio Bryce, was from the East End, one of Kirk's best friends in high school. It was Riccio who convinced Douglas to go to college at St. Lawrence University. Amsterdam's Sonia Jacobson Siegel was also a close friend of Kirk Douglas. Years ago, Sonia surprised me by sending to me in Hollywood a scrapbook of a lot of things that I did, you know, when I was in Amsterdam, New York, and in high school, and a few prize-speaking awards and stuff that I won. She had it all in a scrapbook. I said, my God, Sonia, I was so touched. I said, how did you, why would you do this? She says, well, I always knew you were going to be somebody. (laughs) And that really touched me. Because apparently, Sonia knew it before I did. And Douglas was the lifelong friend of Wilfred Wolfie Churchett, who became assistant city engineer in Amsterdam. Churchett saved Douglas from drowning during their childhood. I was about nine years old, 
they were building that the mill next to my house there on 46 Eagle Street was in, was in the process of construction. They had this big five-foot ditch. And like a fool, I was trying to walk across on a thin board, fell in, didn't know how to swim, and was drowning. Wolfie, I can see him now, ran up to, the, to where I was, grabbed me by the hand, and pulled me out. Wow. And I've never forgotten it. Uh, I would have been long gone, and it's uh, something that I always uh, remember and keep in touch with Wolfie from time to time over the years. This is, we're talking with Wolfie Churchill, the man who saved Kirk Douglas's life when he was a young boy. Quite a day today, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, everybody and his brother's here, I guess. Did you go down to Eagle Street? I haven't been down to Eagle Street in all four or five years when I showed the old city engineer where Kirk was born. That was about seven, eight years ago. Well, there was quite a crowd down there, and you were well-remembered there, and oh, uh, uh, Mr. Douglas has mentioned you at the press conference yeah. and everything, and uh, it's... Um, I wasn't with no press conference. No, I know, but he mentioned yeah. your name. Oh, he did? Oh, sure. Well, it's hard to forget somebody who saved oh, your yeah. life. Yeah. On Kirk Douglas Day, June 1st, 1985, people gathered on Amsterdam's Eagle Street in the morning, near where Kirk Douglas was born, including Douglas's friend Pete Riccio and my father, an Eagle Street native, Clarence Cudmore. I asked Riccio if he had lived on Eagle Street. Oh, no, no, I'm no? Roman Avenue. Roman <laughs> Avenue? Did you ever come down here? To... Oh, yes. <laughs> Many times. I used to peddle papers along the street. The all evening news over 50 years ago. Is that right? Yes. In my uh, the Knickerbocker Press. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no? No. My dad used to have that every day, yeah. the Knickerbocker Press. Well, here's my friend. When I was a young boy, you know, after school, I used to work. You and your father, with your father, he was a foreman. That's right. And I was a creeler. That's that right. Yeah. He treated me very well. It's a great day here. Yes. Must, must be nice to be back here, Dad, see the old yeah. street. Yeah, it is real nice. I was telling the Carvinellis lived over here. And we used to call this fellow Big Bill. He lived here. Uh, Joe Redding lived over here. After Douglas visited Eagle Street, he and his growing entourage moved on to City Hall on Church Street, which was the mansion of the Sanford family. When Kirk Douglas was growing up, the Sanfords were rich people who headed one of Amsterdam's big carpet mills. But I tell you, this so far, uh, I can't tell you, it's been a very emotional experience for me. We just flew in from New York to the Schenectady Airport, and we drove up, stopped at my father's grave, stopped at my Eagle Street, where I was born, and saw so many people that I remember. It was very, very moving. People that had been nice to my father, people that had been nice to my six sisters, people who had been nice to me. And, of course, to be here in what is now the, the City Hall, this was the Sanford Mansion. And I remember as a kid passing this place and looking at this place and wondering, who are the Sanfords? There were the Sanford carpet mills. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful home this is. And then years passed, and I was in then making movies in Hollywood, and I get a phone call from a Mrs. Sanford. And she says, I'm throwing a surprise party for my husband, Laddie. And she says, I know you and Laddie have so much in common. <laughs> you, both, you both come from Amsterdam. And I didn't want to tell her that I never met a Sanford all the time I was in Amsterdam. So finally that night, went to this big, elegant party, and I met a Sanford. And I thought it took a long time from passing by the Sanford mansion to finally meet a Sanford. But what is really nice, I tell you, is coming back home 
and feeling the warmth of people that I've known, people that I've played with, it really was very, very exciting. And I'm very, very pleased uh, at the mayor, uh, Vila, who came to greet me. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with the town. I'm impressed with how clean it is. I'm impressed. I went by Tom Constantino's factory, how, how beautiful it is. The whole town's beautiful. East End, I want to tell you, has gotten to be a pussycat. <laughs> East End has changed. When I was there, see, my, when I'd come back from college, my dad, Harry, would take me to all the saloons. Bodgies, it's gone. Shaughnessy's, it's gone. But I was glad to see that there was the DiCaprio Diners and Carmel's Diner. When Carmel's, I think, is, 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 is about gone. But what was very moving to me, you see, my father used to go to DiCaprio's Diner. He had the horse and wagon outside, and he'd eat. Then he always got into an argument. He got mad at them. Then he went to Carmel's Diner, right next door. Then he got mad at them. Then he would go back to DiCaprio's. <laughs> so over the years, he went back and forth between those two diners. Maybe his barbershop is still there. Oh, he spent, my dad spent a lot of time there. It's really, really nice. Uh, to be here. Are there any questions anyone would like to ask me? I'd be delighted to. Yes. You've described your story as the American dream come true. Could you elaborate a little on that? Well, I think the way I look at it, uh, my coming here today is, is not so much a tribute to me as really it is a tribute to our American way of life. And it just reaffirms what I have learned through the years that it can only happen here. I've traveled all over the world since I lived at 46 Eagle Street. I've traveled to many countries. I've spoken to university students through interpreters. I've spoken to them in French, in Italian, in German. And I've talked to them about my life and what happened to me as showing them a way of what happens in our country. And the fact that on Eagle Street, this was like a United Nations. You know, you had the Crescettis and the Naples and the Allens and the Cudmores and the, and the uh, Rimkunis, who's, uh, you know, uh, Steve Rimkunis, who was, uh, so, had a garage there, one of the first garages on Eagle Street was so good to my father. And I just went over there on Eagle Street and saw his son, Stanley, who looks a lot like Steve. He's taller, bigger. But uh, those were precious moments because when we lived on Eagle Street, and people who came from Lithuania and Poland and Germany and, and Russia, as my parents did, and all these different places, all were immigrants. And here we were, all on this little street, and somehow we survived. And you come back and you see this affection. So this is America. I mean, you have a chance. You have a chance. Uh, my parents couldn't read or write. I was able, I went through the Fourth Ward School, doesn't exist anymore, Wilbur Lynch, St. Lawrence University, American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And finally, I was able to go into the line of work that I wanted to do. Now, if my parents had missed the boat, <laughs> I'd be in a hell of a mess now. <laughs> you know, I'd probably be, you know, a mujik in, in, in Russia. But uh, this is, you know, we take it for granted. We take for granted the precious thing that we have in America. Just as I took for granted, uh, when I was, came down here, even as we were flying in, uh, I looked and I forget, my God, how beautiful 
the Mohawk Valley is. I've been all over the world. You know, I've seen the beauties of Switzerland and the beauties of France and Germany and England and China and Russia. I've been to a lot of places. But this Mohawk Valley is really beautiful. And I thought, you know, I didn't realize that. Of course, when I was a kid, I was so anxious to get out of Amsterdam and go, go off someplace and, and do things. So really, coming back is a tribute to America, to what we represent. And it's the things that we have to constantly remind ourselves, because it's things that can be easily forgotten. Because I know that my mother, God rest her soul, used to sit on that porch sometimes and just say to me, oh, America, such a wonderful land. And uh, I've remembered that, those things, and that's why in a small way I have tried to do something for my country, because I think my country has done uh, so much for me. Brunch was then served at the former downtown Holiday Inn in Amsterdam. Mayor Mario Villa gave Douglas the key to the city. Another gift from Coleco, an Amsterdam manufacturer that day, two Cabbage Patch dolls, one for Kirk, the other for his wife, Anne. Amsterdam radio personality Rick Morrissey had recorded telephone greetings from Douglas's sons, including Michael Douglas. Just look out. If you don't name Amsterdam, the town after you, you would be in real trouble. But I'm real happy for you. We're all real proud of you, and we all look forward to seeing you soon. York Governor Mario Cuomo and Kirk Douglas then moved to what was to become Kirk Douglas Park on the Chuftanunda Creek near the police station for the unveiling of a bronze plaque by Mayor Mario Villa. It's a very, very special privilege to have the governor of our great state to be with us on this most historic and festive occasion. It's a privilege and an honor to officially dedicate this lovely park, which has been named with great affection and esteem, Kirk Douglas Park. And I would now like to unveil the bronze plaque, I think it's bronze, it could be, <laughs> that will mark this site for generations to come and which will serve as a reminder to all who come here that in this great country of ours, all things are possible. Governor Mario Cuomo was the next speaker. The one positive, conclusive evidence of his intelligence, his wisdom, his goodness, and his grace, is that having gotten to the very top of the world, he turned around and said, let me go back to where my roots were. Let me go back to the people of Amsterdam and say to them, this is where I started. I'm grateful. I love you, and I wish you all the same success I had. That's what he's doing today. And his New York State could not be prouder of any of its sons than we are of Kirk Douglas today. Now we say this two ways. First of all, we say it in a citation that comes out of the executive chamber in Albany, and if you'll bear with me, it says the following. Kirk Douglas, producer, director, actor, humanitarian, American, New Yorker, born and raised in Amsterdam, the son of Russian immigrants. Kirk Douglas worked his way through St. Lawrence University as a janitor, winning a special scholarship to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. But from humble beginnings rose great hopes and even greater achievements. After a too brief but critically acclaimed career on Broadway, he was beckoned to Hollywood to star in The Strange Love of Martha Rivers, the first of nearly 70 screen performances marked by an intensity 
and intelligence rarely conveyed in any film career, especially one spanning, would you believe, 40 years. From the cynical, unscrupulous boxer of champion which earned him his first Academy Award nomination, to the anguished brilliance of his Van Gogh and lustful life, earning his third Oscar nomination and winning him the New York Film Critics Award for Best Actor, Kirk Douglas created characters, both heroes and villains, of unusual complexity and absolute completeness. In 1955, he formed his own production company, giving birth to more memorable films, Paths of Glory, Lonely Are the Brave, Seven Days in May, and Spartacus. And it was with Spartacus that Douglas's personal integrity and heroism came to the fore by announcing that Dalton Trumbo would write this saga of a slave's fight for freedom, thus striking his own blow for freedom and ending the notorious Hollywood blacklist. Included among the many, many international honors and awards he has received are the Pre uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom and two citations in the Congressional Record for his humanitarian efforts. He is a man who has earned enormous success and done it with grace and strength and courage. And having achieved success, he has now chosen to share it with a larger community around him, demonstrating, in addition to his enormous competence, that he is a man of great compassion. And so now, therefore, I, Mario Cuomo, governor of the state of New York, with pride and gratitude to hereby confer this citation upon Kirk Douglas on this auspicious occasion and as a cherished member of the family of New York and the family of mankind. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Douglas. Today, you have showered me with tributes, adulation, which has almost become overpowering if it wasn't for the wonderful love and affection that I feel for my friends in Amsterdam. I'm really happy to be here today because, as I said, I can bear these tributes because I don't feel really they're a tribute to me so much as they are a tribute to America and what it stands for. I can't tell you how proud I am that Governor Cuomo has taken the time out of his busy schedule to come to our little city. But as I listen to the governor, I realize how similar we are in representing what our country stands for. Not too long ago, I was in Sacramento with Governor Dukmajian, as our governor told you, who came from the, from the Albany area. He was the son of Armenian immigrants, and he became the governor of the state of California. We have Governor Como, who also is a son of immigrants, who came from one of my favorite countries, Italy, and he became the great governor of California. <laughs> governor, you have to forgive that little slip. Maybe there's a prophecy in that that I'm not aware of. The great governor of the state of New York. I'm here on a nostalgic visit. I was telling the governor of my trip when I first came in this morning to 46 Eagle Street. That's, that street that was made up of a League of Nations. 
a street that was made up of the Euskaraders, the Shuttlebars, the Crochetis, the Allens, the Cudmores, and so many people. All of them, their parents were immigrants. And somehow, that's where we all started. And the thing that I keep reminding myself is that this is what we must always remember. I have traveled all over the world, but there's no country that has the qualities that we have that makes Mario Cuomo the governor of the great state of New York and that has given me an opportunity to go out and make films that the world can see. I, in a sense, tribute a lot of that to the, my environment in 46 Eagle Street in the city of Amsterdam, and I can't tell you how touched I am that you in Amsterdam have named this lovely park in my name because when I was here, there was no park like this. <laughs> so things are improving, and I am delighted to accept this honor that you bestow on me, and I thank all of you for coming here today. Thank you. Kirk Douglas was very popular in Amsterdam after the events of June 1st, 1985, but when Douglas's autobiography, The Ragman's Son, was published in 1988, the revelation of an affair he had had with his mentor high school English teacher rubbed some people in Amsterdam the wrong way. In the book, Douglas was also critical of anti-Semitism he encountered when growing up in Amsterdam. There was a local anti-Douglas faction for a while, but that subsided over time. Douglas was in a near-fatal helicopter accident in 1991. He suffered a stroke in 1996 and struggled to speak. In 2015, there was a local controversy when the actor was not put into the inaugural Hall of Fame class for Amsterdam High School. He got in the following year, the year of his 100th birthday. Morris Brown was a childhood friend of Kirk Douglas. How you doing, Mr. Brown? What about him? I knew, that I knew him when he was seven years old. Him and I were in the soda business together as young boys. He used to come over to my house every day, and I used to, we, we, we'd travel back and forth. Is that right? And one particular time that I came over to his house, he was memorizing a speech that he was going to speak at the high school. He was on a senior high at the prize speaking contest. And I came down to his house this one evening, and I said, Izzy, that was his name then. Correct. I said, Izzy, what are you doing? He says, they selected me as one of the four boys, and there's four girls, the best speaker at the high school. And he says, take this speech and see how well I memorize it. So I took the speech he had already memorized, and he made goose pimples, honest to God, grow on me. That's how good he was then. Wow. And I said then to myself, this little nobody someday is going to be a somebody. How about that? Did you live on Eagle Street, Mr. I Brown? I lived on Elk Street, three blocks away. He used to come over to my house every day after school. And at nighttime, when he was ready to go home, I'd say, Izzy, stay, we'll have you have supper with us. <laughs> I just kept on staying at my house. And my mother says, what if I adopted another son? I said, <laughs> I says, mother, you did adopt another son. <laughs> well, it was a good one to adopt. Morris Brown, right? All right. Now, I'll tell you another story. His mother was the most beautiful person you've ever met. A mother that loved her son deeply. You had to see it to believe it. And he used to put his arms under her arm at 14, 15 years old and swing her around the merry-go-round. 
and she used to house scream and holler, it's time, I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> Issa was the name to her. Yeah. Her love for him, being the only son, and his love for her, you have to be there to see it, and I saw it. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Brown. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider a gift to our GoFundMe campaign. You'll find a link on bobcudmore.com that explains how to make a contribution online or through the mail. Thanks to WGY Radio for the vintage audio used in this program. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.